So yesterday was my uh, my birthday. Happy you- birthday, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I don't expect anyone to remember when it is anymore, with the exception of like, you know, like my mom or grandparents or whoever, because I removed it from Facebook. So now now people don't see it. And that that's fine. My my attitude towards it is the people who I consider good friends like you, it doesn't matter whether or not you forget my birthday. It's not gonna change <laughs> it's not gonna change the the friendship, right? And you know, on the on the opposite end, if some person who I consider like more of an acquaintance or someone who's just kind of a contact, if they send me a happy birthday message purely because they see some notification in Facebook that it's my birthday, who cares? Why, why do I even care about that? Why do I need to get happy birthdays from people who I don't even know or care about? So that's my perspective on it and why I just don't don't care. I've been doing the same thing. For a few years now, I think I think it goes back to college as well. Uh, I, I was telling Nonso to do the same thing because he shared the same <laughs> the same reason where he doesn't want a bunch of random people knowing his birthday and then wishing him happy birthday when he doesn't really know them. So one day, it was like three years ago, I just sent him happy birthday. It was some random day. We were just eating at a restaurant and I sent him a message, happy birthday and congrats. That's it. <laughs> So many other people just added on. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, uh, just no idea why. Just happy birthday and congratulations. Does the high, the hive mind just took over and started messaging him? Yeah. And then That's a few of his close, closer friends and family like, sent him texts. Hey, is this not your birthday? Or is this really your birthday? Because <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't nowhere near his birthday. Uh that's pretty good. I like that. So happy belated birthday. Sorry I missed it. Thank you. Oh yeah, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah. Did you do anything fun? We we went uh, we went out to eat and we went to see Ready Player 1 last night. Oh, how was it? It was okay. Both Emma and I read the book maybe a year ago or more at this point. I I don't recall. So my opinion was I I did not like it as much as the book. I don't read a whole lot of fiction, but when I do, and then I see the movie, I'm just always, I find it so hard to have an objective fi- opinion about just the film kind of on its own. Yeah, that's hard to do unless you see the film first. I just, the whole time I was watching it, I couldn't get out of my head just all these differences between the book and the film and things that, things that I would have done differently and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. It, it certainly wasn't bad. I, I you know, fear. You know, definitely kind of a blockbuster popcorn type film. So, uh, the other thing that Emma got me for my birthday was some constructive criticism. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> which, which actually circles back to our brief discussion on clothing in uh, one of the previous episodes. Ah, the jeans. Yeah. Yeah, she had been dissatisfied with the fit. And look of my shoes and pants for some time now. Were they too baggy? Yeah, she she said that they were they fit too baggy and they did not have the more kind of form fitting style, which is now that's now the trend. But back in the day, the baggy was cool because I used to wear baggy pants. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't consider my pants outright baggy. They're just slightly more, they're definitely not as form-fitting as the current pants. So, like, the pants that I have now, after my birthday, are all, like, slim fit. The skinny ones, I can't even get on. So, I'm, like, wearing the tier below that, which is slim fitting. Slim, yeah. I think that's the only, that's the, the, the furthest I could go was slim. Because it's very uncomfortable. And I just feel constricted. Yeah, it, it takes some getting used to. And then she got me some... She got me a pair of shoes, which were... Which she approved of, basically. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when we, when we met up at uh, Hawking Hills yes. last year for our vacation, do, do you remember her at one point... Commenting on your shoes. Commenting on my shoes, and then I she... I recall. Yeah, but you do, because she was like, why can't you have shoes more like Koreans? But but it was really nice, and uh, the shoes I wear, I've had help as well. Okay, well that, that makes me feel better then. Most of the stuff I have, at least even coordinating it together, I, I'm not gonna say I do like, like I'm totally hopeless because that's that's not true. But to get to that next level of putting an outfit together, you need some need some help. Yeah, I mean I I don't think of myself as necessarily devoid of, of fashion sense either it's just that i i just don't like to me fashion is is like pretty kind of frivolous so i just haven't bought clothes in a while after she bought me this pair of shoes and this this pair of pants the next day just on my own i went clothing shopping and bought a few shirts and a couple more pairs of pants and that i when she when emma got home i told her and her, her first comment was, "Wait, so you went you went without me?" <laughs> yeah, like maybe I should have should have gone with her to make sure that I was actually picking out stuff that looked good. But then after I showed her what I got, she was uh, she was happy with my decisions. She thought I did a good job. Yeah, I think I'm I'm more of the function over form, and if if the the functional stuff happens to look nice, then that's a win win. Yeah, so this was like the Venn diagram of. Our, our trip where we were specifically looking at shoes in particular, she would like filter out things that she thought looked acceptable. <laughs> and then I would also have to sign off on the looks and then try them on. And I think she very quickly realized how annoying it is to go clothing shopping with me because I'm very particular about how things fit. Fit, yeah, and how they feel. And I think I'm the same way. I went to Alicia once and we spent a long time, especially with pants, because if I wear, if I picked up the most, the comfiest pants, it would probably resemble sweatpants and to get something that's a little bit more formal or like some nice looking jeans, the slimmer fits were the ones that she tended to like. Gotta show off that ass. It looks like we're heading towards another themed episode based on the number of uh, notes here we have around restaurants and food related things so Aaron, is there something in particular that you want to start with yeah i got the most recent time i went to a, a, a very fancy restaurant it's a steakhouse normally the food is just excellent service is great this particular time it it, it didn't go quite as usual like one of the ladies there ordered a steak medium rare and it came out very close to well done. She, she even said like, okay, they 
when you get your steak, they ask you to cut it down the middle to see if it's okay, the color's okay. And so she did so, and then it wasn't medium rare. At that point, what do you do? Do you make a fuss, send it back? Which some people do. I feel very awkward in that situation. And it usually just drags, takes longer to get your food, and then you're seen as the fussy person. But then we were, uh, we were talking, and how at some restaurants, if you got something that you didn't really order, or if your order came very late, what would you do? I'm always torn between making a scene and then trying to get what you want. Okay, so let's so so there are a few different things here. So let's let's parse these one by one. Yeah. So so the last. I know I'm just rambling on. No, no, no. This is let's just let's just attack these point by point because I, I I would say different things about different. Uh, I, I would have different responses depending on exactly what's what's going on. So. The, the last thing that you just said about if you get the the wrong order, like you just straight up don't go, don't get what you ordered. And that's a situation you should immediately, like basically before the server even sits it on the table, you should be like, no, this is not actually what I ordered. And the reason for that is there's a strong chance that you are getting someone else's food. Right. And by not acknowledging that, you are potentially creating a cascade of problems for other people as well. And then it's just a simple mix-up. It's possible that the server got your order wrong somehow, and that that really was intended for you and it was just incorrect, but you, you need to bring it up just in case, because it's possible that they just swapped two different tables, like orders or something like that. Yeah, something I'm referring to is if you ordered a dish like without bacon or something, and then it comes with bacon. It's the same dish, but I just forgotten to take out the bacon. Well, I mean, if, if you're doing it for you know, dietary religious yeah. constraints or something. Oh, then yes. I then, think that's to different. To me, it's obvious, yeah. you know, you shouldn't feel bad about. Yeah, that, that one that one I think is different. I mean, it's something that if you really wanted it or didn't want it in there, but there's no dietary restriction, you're just being picky at that point to me honestly it depends on how messed up it is if it uh, th there is a level of incorrectness where i'll just be like you know what just i'll just eat it because it's not that big of a, a deal and it feels like more of a hassle because then also you have to wait longer probably right so at what point is it deemed a ha uh, just a hassle or inconvenience with over uh, a legitimate concern I think that's just a judgment call for each individual person. I went to dinner with someone that is very, very particular about things. Quantity, number, where if you ordered a steak and it was whatever weight, you'd be like, does this really weigh that same amount? Like, I want to see. Like, this looks too small to weigh that amount. And it send things back. Well, I, I have an issue with that because usually weight is only associated with, with like steaks that kind of food and the weight is always a pre-cooked weight yes of the raw so meat <laughs> so it always weighs less after they cook it because some of the fat and moisture you know comes out of the steak when it's cooked so that that's just a bogus way of thinking St steak is the one thing that i would say now, gra now granted I, I at the current time i i don't eat steak but <laughs> but i still think that this is this is the right opinion which is 
if you if you order a steak and it is obviously not the the correct doneness, then I think it's it's perfectly okay to send it back. If I get food and I feel like it is just not good, like it's just it just tastes very bland or like overly spiced or you know just bad quality or tasting food, I don't send that back because my perspective is what is really going to change when I send it back. With a steak, you can send it back and there's a reasonable expectation, I think, that they'll get the steak cooked correctly the next time because it's just a matter of timing, really. But if overall the quality of the, the food is just not good, what are you ex really expecting by sending it back and wanting to exchange? At, at that point, my assumption is just, well, we're not coming to this restaurant again because this food just kind of sucks. Now, what, what, what do you think they do with a steak that's not cooked correctly and they send it back? It gets tossed out, would be my assumption. I think it if it's overcooked, I think it probably gets tossed out, or maybe somebody takes it home. I don't know. If it's if it's undercooked, I think they might actually just put it back on the uh, the grill, assuming assuming that you know you, the person hasn't really started eating it yet and they've just kind of cut into it. I think they can just put it back on the grill. I mean, if you're someone who's really concerned about your carbon footprint and the wasting of a steak, then you probably should not be eating steak anyways, right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't think that's probably a factor for most people. But yeah, th there is someone in my family who is his, is the just the epitome of the picky eater, and it seems like, uh, granted, now that I don't, I don't live up there anymore, and I'm only up there, you know, maybe once or twice a year. I'm not seeing this, so I don't know if this is still going on, but this this individual, there was like a 90% chance if you went out to eat with this person, they were going to send back their food. They're just so ridiculous. And the funny thing was, the way they talked about it is like they are just like the unluckiest person in America, and that what are the odds that they are the person who is just always getting things made incorrectly or like not very well if ever in life you find yourself thinking that you must be the like the one in a million person who just has the worst luck about some some kind of thing there's a very good chance that it is not luck and that you have some kind of a role to play in this whether it's this food type of thing or just something completely different like you just seem to always have you know the worst kind of friends or the worst kind of people around you. Like maybe you're just not very good at uh, identifying people. I also think at least for the food part, another, another aspect of it is the expectation you have going in. If you are ordering something that you've had at other places before, and so you've got a picture in your mind and of how it's going to look and taste, and it comes out different, it may still be really good, but because it's not what you thought it was, then you're dissatisfied. So like the, the level of expectation plays a role in how satisfied you are with the food. Some people have very, like you say, your friend or family member is very picky. I think I've, uh, I think everybody has that, that person with them in their family or friend group that their expectations are just so high about everything and they're constantly disappointed. Now we, we don't go out to eat very often. We're pretty, we're pretty frugal. It's like a, a big part of that and also i don't know I, th I think that we cook pretty well so 
we have less of an incentive to, to go out to eat all the time. But one of the last times that I can remember having a bad experience at a restaurant, we went to a cheesecake factory, which is like attached to a mall. And we went in the evening and I decided to, I wanted to order breakfast because I, I really like breakfast food. So it's not unusual for me to eat breakfast like for dinner, basically. So I ordered like eggs over medium and hash browns and the eggs were completely cooked through. They were basically cooked over hard. Like there was no runniness to the yolk at all. They're just completely cooked through. And the hash browns were like so they were so bad. They were like like dried out almost or something. What it seemed to me was like they were hash browns from the morning oh. that they took out of the fridge and reheated is what it seemed like. Like they did not seem like fresh, crisp hash browns. They were just terrible. But we had waited forever to get our food, first of all. And so we finally get the food and it's like this is just like garbage. And I did not I did not send it back. I was like, we just got to get out of here. That's how I feel. I'm like, I'm not going to wait around for more food. And I was just like, I never want to come to this Cheesecake Factory again is my my feedback. <laughs> like, That's how I feel when I go somewhere and the food is pretty bad. Like, I, there's, there's very... I, I can't even remember a time. I'm sure it's probably happened once before, but I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not one to send food back because I'm worried of what they're going to do to it. That's one part of it. The other part is what's really going to change? With an egg, okay, they can make it again. But if I'm already hungry and it's going to take so long, there's no point. Just kind of cut your losses, eat it, and then that restaurant gets a black mark and then you don't go there again. Yeah, and also part of it is like I was so frustrated that I almost, I like I just did not want to eat there at that point. If, if that makes sense, right? So that's... Out of spite. <laughs> right, yeah. And we were also... We were there on, on a gift card. Was also the... That's a game changer. Yeah. And not paying out of pocket necessarily. It That also played into like the let's just cut our losses here and just get out of here. Did they know you had a gift card? Oh, not ahead of time. No, because you don't, you don't show that until, until you, you pay. But are, are you implying that... The food was poor because they saw that we were paying with a gift card. That's a possibility. I'm trying to cover all avenues. That seems awfully. Uh... Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's highly unlikely, but I still would ask. If you're selecting a bottle of wine from a wine list, for me that's always a very challenging task because uh, I feel like you really have to know wine very well. Because the name itself doesn't tell you very much unless you are familiar with it. I guess you could look at the price and infer the quality based on the price, but that's not always the case. See, I, I am going to push back on what you're saying here. So, <laughs> I so much of wine culture is just total bullshit. Yes. If you look at just normal people, whenever there's any kind of like a a study done of their ability to to taste the difference between more expensive and less expensive wine. Nobody can tell the difference. Some people will tell you that the like sommeliers can distinguish the difference. And I'm not even convinced of that. But let's just grant that that is the case. And that if you are a trained sommelier who has like gone to school and everything, you can tell the difference. Okay, well, that's like 
some small fraction of people and everyday people like us can't tell the difference. We will occasionally have a bottle of wine and we just get our wine from like Aldi. It's like Aldi or Trader Joe's and it's like a couple of bucks and I think it tastes the perfect, same perfectly fine. Yeah. There are ones where I've tried and they just taste awful to me. But then I think it's that particular style. Is or, is it like a white or a red or? Yeah, I, I think this one, I don't remember the name. I want to say it was a Malbec, but I don't recall exactly. Most reds, I, I can't tell the difference between the two. Uh, between whichever kind it is. But but back to the restaurant thing. And I, I we're, if we're going somewhere, I never pick the wine because there's no... I'll, I'll, it'll be at random. I have no basis for picking it. But this person picked out a wine in this restaurant. You know, They bring out the bottle. They show the label and wait for an approval, yes or no. Then pour a tiny bit into a glass and have you taste it. Sure. And then pour for everybody else. Now, what if you get this wine? It's already opened. You taste it and say... No, this is awful. I don't want it. You say, actually, you know what? This was different than what I was expecting. And then you get a different wine. No, the, the reason why this is okay is because wine is also sold by the glass. So the fact that they've opened the bottle is not a big deal. They can, someone else will order it by the glass and they can just use oh, that open bottle. That's true. Yes. Because normally we, if, if we're going out for like a work event, it'll be a per bottle. But then... I'm really skeptical about someone who's selected a bottle that they haven't tried before. It just seems so, I don't even know what the word to use to describe it. Maybe arrogant to say, oh, this wine sucks. Send it back. And nobody else has tried it. Uh, it it's just very subjective. If you're with a big enough group that there's a, I mean, I saw a bottle typically gets like four glasses to a bottle. So if you're at a big enough group where there's going to be multiple bottles of wine necessary to serve people, then I think if you don't, if you test it and you don't like it, you could probably say, you know what, I'm, I would prefer a different wine, but you know, if other people want this wine, that's fine. Right. I think that's a way to pivot out of that situation. But when it comes, when it comes to, you know, taste testing of wine and whether or not it meets your approval, all that really matters is your opinion. You know, you can't yeah. let someone else dictate your opinion to you. If you think it tastes fine, then it tastes fine. If you think it tastes bad, then get something else. It's not, That's what I mean. It, it's it's very not subjective. your fault that you think it tastes bad. <laughs> yeah. I think this goes back to the different personality types where some people aren't afraid to say this is bad. And some other people will just go along with it. If it was me, I wouldn't come right out and say it tastes bad, especially if I'm with a group where someone might like it. I think the most diplomatic thing is to just say, like, oh, this doesn't taste like what I was expecting, or like, ah, oh, you know, it's not quite what I'm was hoping for. So, you know, just say that you, you would rather have something else without necessarily saying that it's terrible or, you know, anyone who drinks this is just <laughs> has no idea what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Well, some people get very passionate about wine. And those people are ridiculous. When we were discussing steaks, I alluded to the fact that I, 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 I don't currently eat steak. For go, going on maybe like 10 years ago, now at this point, I 
stopped eating meat of uh, of any kind, you know, I'm not going to get on a soapbox or anything and try to persuade people one way or another, other than to just say that I I, I learned a lot of things about kind of like the mass market, uh, you know, kind of meat industry that I had issues with. And if anyone is curious, I, I read a book called uh, Eating Animals. The author was like talking about his kind of flip-flopping on whether or not he should be a vegetarian or eat meat and all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was an interesting read and definitely not like a 2018 level of like calling the people you disagree with like terrible people and all that kind of stuff, mm. right? It was like very a very like reasonable book. So so in any event, so this was this was going on like 10 years ago. And after a few years, I opened up uh, a little bit my willingness to to eat some things. So I started eating uh, seafood and in particular tried to eat like sustainable seafood and wild caught stuff in, in particular. Uh, I felt like this was a a good balance for me, like kind of like ethically and then also nutritionally. So I'll I'll eat some some seafood now. So I guess that technically makes me like a pescatarian. You know, there there are plenty of days where I'm I'm still basically a vegetarian and I don't eat meat. There are some days where I'm like accidentally vegan because I don't eat you know eggs or dairy stuff, and I don't even do it on purpose. It's just the way that I eat, I guess. When I when I told my family about this years ago, they they found it like kind of strange, but my. My mom and her side of the family was like also pretty accepting of it and they'll, they'll work, work around it and everything when I'm up to visit. My dad like could not believe this and he was just like dumbfounded. He couldn't wrap, wrap his head around somebody not, not like willfully choosing not to eat meat. <laughs> his reaction was just so, he was just so confused. And every time I would go back to visit over over the course of subsequent years, for the first few years, I would I would go up to visit, we'd go out to eat or something, and his reaction would be like it was almost like he forgot that I that I didn't eat meat. And then after several years of that, of like him forgetting that this was the case, then he transitioned into like just assuming that I stopped <laughs> doing it. Because surely, like, no reasonable person would, would still be doing this after so many years. And uh, I don't know, I, I just found this, my dad's reaction to it. More than anything, I just find it amusing that, like, he went, he transitioned from, like, completely dumbfounded to forgetting that I was doing it to then just assuming, like, each year that I had just stopped. <laughs> like I was saying before, I... For me, I, I chose to do it just because that's it's what I, I feel most comfortable doing at this point. I, I I have never in my life been hunting, but if I was to go hunting, say, I don't think that I would have an issue necessarily with eating it because it would be a wild animal and, and more similar to like what I was talking about with like fish. It seems like having it be a wild animal solves a lot of the issues that I have with it. In terms of like the the treatment of them, so I I I I feel like I'm fairly open open minded about it and less less of a you know kind of radical or extremist type person. So I I do not go out of my way to tell people 
that I, I don't eat meat. And in fact, I, I usually go out of my way to try and avoid it and have it not come up. But inevitably, if I'm in some kind of like group situation, like someone will notice what I order and then start prompting me, like asking me about it. And I'll just, and, and then very often they'll ask me like, why? And then I feel like I'm put in this uncomfortable position of I'm surrounded by people eating meat and then someone is asking me why what they're eating is like unethical. And I would just as soon rather not talk about it then. Like I'm, I'm not the one, there, there's a stereotype that I, I see especially on the internet is that everyone thinks that like uh, vegans and, and vegetarians are like uh, these people who just can't shut up about it and that always want to, uh, and that's like one of the first things you learn about them because they always mention it. But uh, that has not been my experience or the way that I, I go about things. And instead it has been the reverse of like people just giving me kind of a hard time about it or asking me and I, I usually try to say as little as possible. That makes sense because I can totally see the spotlight type feeling and very awkward. To me, it's like, who knows why someone could not be eating a particular thing. I, I know a number of people at this point who have different like dietary issues. So I know people who have like legitimate like celiac issues. They're not like one of these trendy gluten-free people. Like they legitimately have issues with like bread and stuff. And I know people with like uh, other problems. So to me, it's like, uh, I don't know. If you notice someone who seems to have like eccentric eating habits or like is not, is eating something seemingly kind of strange. I, I just, I feel like it's kind of not cool to call them out on it, especially if you're in like a group. I can see that. There's, there's not very many people that, that I work with who are vegetarians. It's a not very diverse work culture. So a lot of people just eat meat and if we have lunch meetings, typically get something that has like a meat and potatoes type feel with, and it's hardly, hardly salad. Most of the time it's just pizza because that's, that's the easiest thing. Most of the time there's hardly any vegetarian options at all. And there's usually one, maybe two people in a whole group are vegetarian for any number of reasons and it's always bad at least I feel bad when that person comes to this lunch meeting without anything to eat or they have to pick out I think it's different if you have a pizza that has meat on it and someone says oh just pick it out uh, that's not the same as just getting a vegetarian pizza or like a plain cheese pizza right yeah and, and I, I am more willing to like pick something off if that's the case, but there are people who are not that way. And I don't, you know, you shouldn't assume that people are just going to like be okay with picking meat out of their food. Sometimes for me, depending on what the item is, it's a dietary issue and small amounts probably won't impact me. So just pick it off. But if it's a religious thing, then the, I, 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 can, I can totally see someone having issues with it. Yeah, it's a, at this, this previous job that I had, they were usually pretty good about having you know, food options that worked for everybody. But 
there were a couple of instances. I guess in general, I don't like people ordering, like deciding what I'm going to eat for me. But I, I really want to choose what I, I am going to eat. And I hate, I hate this, like you're going to some kind of like a group meeting or something and it's just catered and they don't even ask you what you want or a- anything like that. Usually, if it's well run, they'll send something ahead of time and ask about people's options. Options. But I, there have been some times where this has not been the case. Like I can remember going to a meeting that was supposed to be like a celebration for like, I think like service terms at the company. And I think I had been there for like five years and other people had been there for other landmark years. And so one of the like higher up people, a couple levels above us basically got us lunch. But instead of taking us out to lunch where we could just order what we want, they catered it for us and they didn't tell us anything about what was going on. We, we had no idea what the meeting was even for ahead of time. So we didn't know there was going to be food. Then we show up and they're like, oh, we got, uh, I got, Food for you guys, surprise, you know, celebrating this thing. And then the food was like, it was chicken. And that was like all that there was. And I was like, all right, well, thank you, I guess, for getting. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, it's supposed to be, you know, expressing appreciation for how long I've been here. And yet you give me something I'm not even willing to eat. So, yeah, it was. Kind of, kind of bizarre. And so I just sat there, like, and I didn't eat the chicken. And then, like, the person, like, didn't even comment on it. Or, like, ask anything about, like, why I wasn't eating the chicken. Which, in a way, like I was just saying, is, like, I, I don't like people to ask me about what I'm eating and what I'm not eating and give me a hard time, whatever. Right. But in this one particular instance, I actually would have preferred for them to ask me so that I could be like, well, I don't eat this. You know, and kind of make them aware of the fact that they they need to, you know, they should think about that ahead of time. But uh, they they did not. So I don't know. I, I I did not like this person, anyways. So for all I know, they could have done it on purpose. And then there were there were like there was another instance where I went to this big group meeting and they just ordered a bunch of pizzas, and I was trying to find a just a a veggie like a, a pizza with like just vegetables on it yeah and there was like none none to be found and i don't know like i said i'm more willing to like pick stuff out or whatever but i think these pizzas were like really loaded up and it was just like easier to like well surely there's going to be a pizza here that doesn't have any meat on it and i'll just eat that pizza rather than taking pizza from these other people who maybe want it and then picking stuff you know what i mean and for the life of me, like there was no pizzas, but just vegetable on it. So I thought, all right, well, I'll just have a cheese pizza. And then it turned out that there wasn't even cheese pizza. And it was one of those deals where some pizza places do this. And I, I don't know why, but they put the pepperonis under the cheese. Yeah. So, so you can't even see that it's a pepperoni pizza. So I, I got what I thought was cheese pizza that I bite into. And then there's pepperonis in there. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I don't know. It's frustrating. There's some people that I work with where if we get pizza for a group meeting, even at the sight of a veggie pizza, they almost look at it like it's sin. And I think it's so comical. See, this is what I encounter more often. So on the uh, the internet, I see portrayed 
the stereotype of the vegan who can't keep his mouth shut about right. about just bragging about how smug this person is about the fact that they don't eat meat and everybody else is are bad people and all this kind of stuff. I I have like never encountered anyone in my life like that, but I have encountered just like seemingly dozens, if not hundreds of times, people who just have that attitude that you were just talking about, where they're like disgusted by someone not eating meat. It's almost like they're like bashing on a fake person who's not even there. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like how like you'll see this politically a lot nowadays, right? Where it's like if you get into a group of people who are either very far right or very far left, they'll like spend a uncomfortable amount of time bashing people who aren't even there. Just like imaginary fictitious versions of like caricatures of of the of the opposition. I don't know if you encounter this at all, but I I see stuff like that. So yeah, this, this is very bizarre to me. The thing that comes to mind is I think this came out a few, a few years ago. It was like a spoof video clip. Uh, the whole theme of this little clip is to show if meat eaters acted like vegetarians or vegan, and it was the fictitious, obnoxious vegan vegetarian that only tells other people without being asked that they're vegetarian or vegan. It's it's so ridiculous and outrageous. Well, I I found it pretty funny, but then it's also picking on vegetarians. So I I've never seen a vegetarian or vegan act like that in real life. It's just the portrayed image of him. I mean, I'm sure those people exist because there are people on the fringes of, of everything and who are very vocal and right. outspoken and all that. But I just, it's certainly not the norm. And my personal experience has just been that, has been more similar to me where it's like people who would just as soon not discuss it. What do you do during, um, like when you have your your fasting when you don't eat? Don't eat meat. What do I do? Yeah. So how do you do? Is that not an issue during that time of year when you're not when you're not eating meat, like at, at oh, work or going out and stuff like that? It is, and what I try to do at least for work is pack something that's vegetarian, or you only get something that is vegetarian. But in a lunch meeting, typically I'll, if it's the the pizza issue where there's not anything, and I just have I just pick it off and then just pretend like meat wasn't on there in the first place. Because in that in that case, it, it's the best I could really do, because I don't do well if I'm if I haven't eaten, I get very hangry, so I'll I'll just pick it out. Most of the time, I'll pack. What well, so do people do? People give you a hard time about that, or ask you, you know, what are you doing here? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, I do get a lot of questions, and the simplest thing is just oh, for religious reasons. If they ask me if I can feel any difference. And sometimes I can, at least after a month or so of not eating any meat. Because typically I'm, I'm eating healthier stuff. Otherwise, no, I do get some questions. Well, why, why are you not eating meat today? Then I explain the, the reason why I'm fasting and the religious aspect. And most people are very cool about it and they express interest and are accommodating. Some not so much, but I think that just depends. Yeah, I feel like it would be easier for me at times to just say that I'm Jewish or something. <laughs> and just not, although that doesn't, that only takes care of certain things, not 
you know, it takes care of pork, but you know, not, not beef or whatever, but it, it does feel like people are more willing to just give a pass and like, Oh, well, this person is, you know, say they're Hindi or Jewish or whatever. And, uh, so they're not going to be eating this, but yet when I say, Oh, well, I just choose not to eat it. Then I have to like give this whole explanation and everything, which I'd rather not do. Yeah, people make an assumption because if you say it's relig religious reasoning, there's really no further questions or it's more understood. But if you start to say it's a personal preference, then I, I feel like you, you have to defend yourself and justify the reason why you're doing it. But you shouldn't have to because why does, what does someone else care what you're eating? Some people take a very active interest in the actions of other people. Yeah. <laughs> just, in, just in general. Yeah. I don't have that kind of time. So, so we actually have a tweet from someone, and I, I think that their, their story here is, is very relevant. So at Hat of Many Things tweeted at us, and they said that they really enjoyed the first episode. Keep them coming. My split the bill story is the time I ended up having to pay a fifth of the bill despite only having a glass of wine and half of a dessert. Very annoying. So this is this this person uh, sent that sent that tweet, and I thought, oh my god, so splitting the bill at restaurants is this this is another one of these things which is just a cause of anxiety for me. Can I feel like usually I am the person who under orders everybody else. So I really do not want to split the bill evenly, even though that's the easiest thing to do. But so like, just as an example, right? So I don't, I don't drink very much. And so it's like, you're out, you're on the group and everybody else gets like two or three beers and I get maybe one and the beers are like a few dollars a piece. Uh, I, I don't want to split the bill evenly and like subsidize everybody else's drinks. And I think other people are aware of this going on, right? The fact that you're, you're splitting it evenly and people are getting different things. So I feel like that drives up the price of the overall tab higher than it, it would normally be because it's like people are trying to get their money's worth of out of the tab. I think this is a real thing that goes on. I think you're right. Yeah. And, and so this just drives me it's crazy. So I, I like, I'm like sitting there like paying attention to what other people are ordering and how many drinks and stuff like that, like building my legal case for when the, when the check comes. Yeah. Once again, I would rather just do my own thing and just have, have my own check. Of course, if you're in a really big group, it's, it puts a burden on the server trying to get everybody's individual checks and everything. But my only thing that I could say about this that's good is like fortunately now there there are at least like a number of apps that let you quickly like pay other people right so this should be in the process of being eliminated even if you pay the restaurant an even split you should then be able to kind of settle it uh actually the easiest thing to do I guess would be have one person just pay the bill and then everybody else like Venmo them exactly what they paid for right right I've done that before Another question I, 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 that came to, to me, and I, I always think about things a little bit differently, is what if people know that you're the guy that doesn't order very much, so they specifically have you in the group so that 
they can exploit that you don't order very much and they will order and somehow get ahead if if that's if you have a group of people doing that then i think you need to find a new group of people right that's pretty diabolical So as you heard earlier in the episode, we do in fact have a Twitter. Our handle is at PerfectlyPod. So if you have any feedback on the podcast or if you want to share any of your own awkward encounters, uh, you can go ahead and tweet at us and maybe they'll make it into the show. So I guess I am going to, I do want to have some kind of an ending for this one, I think. Asking okay. people, asking people to to share the the podcast. Right. So Actually, I'm trying to think of how to how to ask that. Yeah, uh, I did hear some feedback. Alicia was telling me that uh, at least for episode one, with the intro and conclusion, she liked that better than the start and ending, the abrupt start and ending. 